turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. 850-BABY. W262-CP, Bayonet Point. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There is a wicked sense of joy and satisfaction with getting even. Don't you find that? Like the man I read about who paid alimony each month in nickels. He would wheel all of those nickels to his former wife's house in a wheelbarrow and just dump them out. Uh, He really enjoyed that. Now, that's a man with an attitude, but most of us would have that. In fact, we would all probably enjoy doing something like that if it didn't look so obviously unspiritual. As we begin a new topic in our study of the life of David, I think I should confess something. I have always loved Bugs Bunny. Even though he was simply minding his own business, someone would attack him in one way or another. Bugs would first try to be gracious, but his antagonist would persist. How well I remember him standing with hands on hips and chest thrown out, saying, Of course you know, this means war. I admit that I have always admired the way he could get even with his adversaries. Bugs didn't get mad, he got even, and then some. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue in 1 Samuel, and our topic is retaliation. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for more than 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His down-to-earth Bible lessons make the transition from pulpit to radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We seem to be hardwired with an innate sense of justice. But in our fallen state, we have twisted the concept in such a way that rather than leaving it to God, we take it as our own responsibility. If someone had grounds to retaliate, it was David. King Saul had repeatedly tried to kill David even though he had done nothing to justify Saul's anger. Let's go to the Word now to see how David responded and why. Here is Pastor Steve. We're studying the life of King David. We've been doing that for several weeks. And uh, we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 24. So you might want to turn there as uh, as we build a little foundation. When uh, Ramon Narvaez, the 19th century prime minister of Spain, was dying, he was asked by his priest this question. Does your excellency forgive all your enemies? To which the prime minister replied, I don't have to forgive my enemies. I've had them all shot. It's one way to get rid of them. You know, you and I may not shoot our enemies, but we do have an urge within us, if we're honest, we have to admit this, to retaliate and to get even with those who hurt us. We wouldn't think of shooting them because we couldn't get away with it, but we do have that uh, 
that urge within us. In, in fact, there is a, a wicked sense of joy and satisfaction with getting even. Don't you find that? There is. There is a wicked sense of satisfaction getting even. Like the man I read about who paid alimony each month in nickels. He would wheel all of those nickels to his former wife's house in a wheelbarrow and just dump them out. He really enjoyed that. Now, that's a man with an attitude, but most of us would, would have that. In fact, uh, we would all probably enjoy doing something like that if it didn't look so obviously unspiritual. In our society, we really exalt revenge. Uh, the heroes on television and the movies are those who get the last lick in. In fact, we call it sweet revenge. Who came up with that? Sweet revenge. And we even have a saying, I don't get mad, I just get even. And we smile when we say that. And if you think that you're above all this, that it's never crossed your mind to get even, well, think again, because most of us start practicing the fine art of getting even when we're children. If someone kicks us in school, we kick them back. And if we get caught we have this incredible excuse. Well, he kicked me first. As if that justifies me kicking him back. And uh, some of us are still kicking people as adults, though uh, we're a little more subtle. When I was uh, very young, I, uh, I invented this game called uh, Gotcha Last. Uh, my parents despised it, and that's why I really did this, because um, I would always uh, get someone last. If they uh, tapped me, I got them last. And... Uh, I've actually been chased around the house growing up trying to get me last. And uh, I had this all figured out that if, if I, on my dying bed, could call my best friend closer to me, say, closer, closer, and slap his face as hard as I could and say, got you last and die, if my timing was right, that would be the ultimate way <laughs> of revenge. That started as a young child, and you know, you kind of perfect the fine art of, of revenge. Um, most of us, though, are, are a little more subtle about that. As, a, as adults, we're still kicking back, and uh, we do it more subtly. We tend to retaliate with, uh, with words. Uh, you hurt me, I'm going to give you a, a hard word back. Uh, we look for ways in business to get even. We, we uh, attack someone who's verbally in the past criticized us by criticizing them. And, and we sort of enjoy it. We even have our ways of doing it that are even more subtle. The silent treatment. Uh, we do that. Or sarcasm, which is a form of, of being really annoyed and getting back at somebody. And we tend to enjoy it. And as, as believers, we tend to even justify it by calling it justice. It's justice. This person deserved it. Well, the Bible tells us very clearly that all retaliation and vengeance and getting even is just wrong. It's, it's just wrong. We know that from many places in the Bible. One in particular is Romans chapter 12. We don't need to turn there, but in Romans chapter 12, listen how clear Paul is on this. Verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, which means that sometimes you can't be at peace, but try anyway. If it's possible, do it. But then he says in verse 19, never take your own revenge, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God says that's not your business to get anybody back. 
It's not your business to figure out how you can time your death and slap someone's face. They got you last. It's not, it's not your business. It is God's work, not ours. And a Bible character who fought the temptation, it really was a temptation, to retaliate against a man who caused him great suffering was David. And uh, this ties in with our study in the life of David because in 1 Samuel 24, and I hope you've turned to that place already. If you haven't, just, just find it. 1 Samuel 24, we have the incredible story of David being presented with a golden opportunity to not only get back, but to kill Saul, to absolutely kill this man, to spear him to death, and to end his suffering, to, to now take the throne and uh, to be gone with this man who caused him such anguish. He also was given another opportunity in chapter 26, but we're going to look at chapter 24 this morning. Now remember, I remind you about Saul and David's relationship. Saul was the king of Israel, a rotten king, an ungodly man. It, it's questionable even today if he even had a relationship with the Lord. David, the most godly man in Israel, and David kills Goliath, out of uh, anguish for God's honor. And the people esteem David greater than Saul. And they say Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And Saul being a very ugly man on the inside, not on the outside, he was good looking on the outside, that's who he was cho chosen by the people to be king. Saul then vents his wrath and his jealousy and his insecurity out on David. And David is now on the run. David is, is reduced from a national hero to a fugitive, to live on the run. He can't live with his wife. He can't be with his friends. He's forced away from his home. He's made an outlaw. Saul makes an outlaw of Israel's most godly man. And I might add, the man who is chosen and anointed to be the next king. But in chapter 24, David is faced with an opportunity to give King Saul a little taste of revenge called killing him. With one thrust of his spear, as I said, he can kill Saul and his suffering, take over the throne of Israel. But he didn't do that. And we need to ask ourselves why. And more than ask ourselves why, we need to learn from this why. When you have such a, a, an incredible opportunity presented to you to take revenge, why didn't you do it? And it's because David understood the truth that vengeance belongs to God and not us. It was a temptation to David, but he had victory. And, and so, by his example, you and I can learn how to deal with all the Saul's in our lives who irritate us and cause us to suffer. It may be a spouse. It may be a child. It may be a boss. Listen, it could be a leader in the church. It could be any, it could be a teacher who really bothers you. It, it could be a sibling. could be a relative. could be me. I don't know how but it could be me. It might be me. It might be me. Um, my parents thought so. And so from chapter 24, we see lived out in, in human drama, three principles about refusing to retaliate. Oftentimes we, ditch, we just teach the theology of this, but we don't deal with it lived out. Is there a Bible character who actually lived out these truths? And I say, yes. It was David. And so this morning, we'll look at three principles about refusing to retaliate when you feel like it. And there's no question about it. None of us, I think, ever reaches that point where we don't feel like it. We really feel like getting back, but that doesn't mean you should get back. 
From this passage, we're going to learn what to do. We'll look at uh, two of these principles this morning, and then Lord willing, next week, we'll look at the third one, which is uh, really very, very surprising. So the first biblical principle, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down about refusing to retaliate is this. First of all, resist pressure to retaliate. Resist it. There really is a lot of pressure. There's pressure from within our sinfulness. There's pressure from without others telling you what to do. And uh, in this area, usually the wrong thing. So we begin by looking at 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. Now, it came about when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, the old David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Now, let's, let's bring you up to date on this. Last week, we left David in a cave. Chapter 22, verse 1 says this. So David departed from there, escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. David was left in a cave. This is where he finally got alone with God and came to his spiritual senses. Because you remember, if you were here last week, we said prior to this, David had faltered in his faith. This man who was so courageous and so faithful and so godly in dealing with, with uh, the giant Goliath, now, after Saul turned on him, was fearful. He was a little fearful man. So different from what his real character was like. He was controlled by the fear of Saul killing him. He didn't want to die at Saul's hand. And uh, it led him to lie. Three times he lied. He schemed. Uh, he took matters into his own hands. But finally now in the cave of Adullam, he got back on track spiritually. He composed a song known as Psalm 34, in which he uh, affirmed that his faith and it was now renewed in the Lord. His trust was in the Lord. His eyes were on the Lord. And he's back on track spiritually. That's where we left David. But what we didn't say is this. While he was in the cave, um, his family heard about it. And many people, about 400 men, who uh, didn't like Saul and were outlaws in Saul's kingdom, they joined themselves to David. They joined themselves. They were in rebellion to Saul, but now they joined themselves to David. They formed a small army. Notice uh, chapter 22, verse 2. It's in everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, that is David, and he became captain over them. Now, there were about 400 men with him. So forms a little army. David becomes sort of a Jewish Robin Hood. And uh, this is his band of merry men. And so he's got about 400 uh, men now who are his soldiers. And uh, he's got a small army. So chapter 23 tells us this, that with this army, David now hears that the Philistines are attacking a small Jewish village. And he takes his army and he fights the Philistines and he... he um, helps this, this city, he causes it to survive, he, he rescues it. But Saul finds out that David is at this city and uh, he's pursuing him there. Now this forces David to once again be on the run. And he ends up in chapter 24, verse 1, in a place called En Gedi. If you've ever been to Israel, uh, you will know the, the word En Gedi. En Gedi is a wilderness area, a very beautiful area. Uh, along the um, the western side of the Dead Sea, if you can imagine it in your mind. Actually, the eastern side is in modern-day Jordan. But the western side of the Dead Sea is in uh, Israel. It's a beautiful place. There's running water there. There are little falls. There, there are scores of caves and caverns, cavern just being a large cave. Uh, 
there are scores of places where David could hide, and that's where he went, to the wilderness of En Gedi. But Saul doesn't give up. Even though he knows that there's a lot of caves there, he pursues him. Notice verse 2 of 24. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. So with 3,000 of his best soldiers, Saul now goes after David and he comes to En Gedi, also known as the Rocks of the Wild Goats. Uh, a lot of animals in En Gedi. When we were there last time, you could see a lot of wilderness animals there. In fact, I think there's even a zoo of, uh, of biblical animals in that area. And it's here that David is presented with an opportunity to kill Saul. And it's just incredible. Notice verse 3. And he came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. You're probably wondering, how is he going to handle that, that verse, he relieved himself? Well, literally in Hebrew, it means to cover his feet. We would say nature called. Okay, Saul had to go to the bathroom. It's as simple as that. And he sees this cave, and he goes into the cave. He probably took a nap afterwards. Uh, because that would, would be implied because David does something to him later and uh, he probably was napping and sound asleep. But what Saul, when Saul went to relieve himself, he didn't realize that David and his men were in this cave. I mean, that's incredible. If you've ever been to En Gedi, you just look around, there are many, many caves. But by God's sovereignty, Saul goes into this cave. And you may wonder, well, how could David and his men see Saul, but he couldn't see them, and he, and he didn't see them. Well, one expert on the geography of Israel explains En Gedi in the caves this way. So he writes this, These caves are dark as midnight, and the keenest eyes cannot see five paces inward. But one who has been long within and is looking toward the entrance can observe with perfect distinctness all that takes place in that direction. The blinding glare of the sunshine on the limestone cliffs made Saul more than ever unable to detect the forms that lined the cave, which they could, um, while they could perfectly watch his every move. How little did the king realize the intense interest with which he was being watched by 600, now there are 600, more than 400, now he's got 600 men, 600 pairs of eyes, and the peril to which he was exposed. The whole band was thrilled with excitement. So David's army is there. He's got 600 men there, and Saul doesn't even know that they are there. So he goes in there to relieve himself, and it says at the end of verse 3, now, David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. Okay? Now, what an opportunity for David. I mean, this is just incredible. David's men now encourage him to get him, retaliate. You've got him alone. He doesn't even know we're here. Kill the man who's caused you such suffering. Notice verse 4. And the men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. David, you got to be kidding. This is too good to be true. Get him. God told you you'd get him. Now, I don't know where God told David he would, he would get Saul. Uh, either they mean that they're paraphrasing one of David's um, imprecatory psalms in which he says that God will seek vengeance and do vengeance to the ungodly. It's possible they, they said that. Or maybe there was a special promise of divine revelation that God gave David that we don't have recorded in the Bible. That's possible. But I suspect that what they were saying is, look, 
Through divine providence, David, God has given your enemy into your hand. It's obviously of God. So go get him. I think that's probably what they meant. Now, what do you do when you have the prospect of revenge? What, what would you do here? Because each of us struggles with tempting thoughts about getting even with somebody. And we all have opportunities. Maybe you're not in a cave and you do anything like this. But you have opportunities to strike back verbally. You have opportunities to really sting somebody. And you know what? It's difficult enough when your own flesh is urging you to do this, let alone have people around you who are telling you, do it. Everybody does it. Look, they hurt you, you hurt them. And we all have people around us who do that. David had his 600 men telling him that. We, we, we all have people who will tell us, you're a fool to not get even with this guy, this woman. You've got to be kidding. He's hurt you or she's hurt you, and you're not going to do anything about it? We all have that. That's what you have to resist. And you know what? It's easy to rationalize it. It's easy to rationalize retaliation. You've been hurt. You've been wronged. Justice should prevail. Yeah, but what we forget is that God says, I'll deal with justice. You're not capable of, of executing justice. You see, David could have rationalized, rationalized it this way. Look, who's this guy I think he is? I'm the, the chosen king. The people asked for him. God chose me. I'm the next king. I'm God's choice. Saul's a nobody. He's not even spiritual. We don't even know if he's a guy who's saved. And then on top of that, rationalizing it, the flesh, as I said, David was encouraged by his, his men to just do it. You deserve it. You've got your rights. How often do we hear that? You've got your rights. How dare they do this to you? And at times, you know what? Sometimes it even looks too good to be true. Sometimes people open the door and it's so obvious that it would be a great opportunity to get revenge. Circumstances seem so great that it's hard to believe that, that it's not God's will to do it. That's the great danger of just letting circumstances determine the will of God. If David did that, he would have said, well, obviously, look at the circumstance. Of all the caves, the guy goes in here to go to the bathroom. See, that's what David's men were saying. David, God has obviously brought this about. Out of all the caves in Angedi, why? If God wasn't in this, would Saul choose to go to the bathroom in this cave? This isn't by chance, you know. David, you know the Lord. You know it's not by chance. And you know what? It wasn't by chance. God did sovereignly bring Saul to that cave, but not for David to retaliate. Now, how, do, how can I say that with such conviction? I know for a fact that Saul was brought there, but not for David to retaliate. And I'll tell you what, David knew that as well, and he would say it with the same conviction. Because the law of God, long before Romans 12 was written, the law of God, in fact, Paul quotes from, from this, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, we, we read the first instance where God says, vengeance doesn't belong to you. Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. That is to say, I'll take care of it. They won't always be on top. I'll deal with them, not you. It belongs to me. So listen, regardless of what people say to you, regardless of how you feel, regardless of the circumstances looking so ripe for vengeance, resist them. Resist them. 
That's a temptation to sin. That's just a temptation. It is always wrong to retaliate. Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue this lesson from the life of David next time on Verse by Verse. Revenge is something we all deal with from time to time. I hope you can continue with us for this entire discussion on the subject. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. That is midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. If you are in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, we hope you will come see us. We at Verse by Verse Ministries have been making Pastor Steve's expository or verse by verse messages available to radio listeners for several years now. We are a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of our listeners. If you would like to listen again to today's broadcast, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also have many previous classes on the archives page. While you are there, perhaps you would like to sign up for our free podcasting service or newsletter. Today's class was the start of a three-part message. To order a CD or a cassette with the entire message, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and phone number, and we'll call you back during regular office hours. The Jewish law said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said that if someone hits you on the